0: and on front page this morning I'm joined by Annabelle Lee journalist at Malaysia Kini and Zurairi AR assistant news editor at Malay Mail
1: Hey morning
0: good morning yes and <laughs> uh okay so I'm sick uh, Yeah, sick.
1: I am as well <laughs> Annabelle is the only healthy Hopefully, one. I
0: won't be sick after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you might be sick. Y- yeah,
1: you know to blame for this.
0: <laughs> I'll try not to breathe on you. Okay, now, um, uh, let's take a look at this first headline. Anwar Musa says, PPBM gaining contract mentality even as UMNO attempts to clean house. Of course, Tansri Anwar Musa, the Amno Secretary General, asserted that his party uh-huh. is embarking on serious reforms following their defeat at GE14. But he says, you know, they're... Bad habits Don't seem to be Disappearing Claiming that Rival party Pre-Bumi Bersatu Malaysia Was picking up Negative practices um, Yeah So what are your Comments on that?
1: I think it's gracious For Anwar Musa To admit <laughs> That the bad habits Are coming from Amno. I mean it's not, it's not easy To admit that And thank you Anwar Musa For admitting that Do you
0: think that This will ever Will see the end Of the day You know like can, can we like Not get rid of this Once and for all
1: I hope we can But as far as long as racial identity is baked into our politics, as long as we have uh, racial-based uh, parties, religious-based parties, I think it's always going to be there.
2: But also, like um, I think it's quite telling when during the Bersatu AGM uh, late last year, you had the Vice President of Bersatu, Tan Sri Abdul Rashid. Uh, you know, he got a standing ovation from from the delegates when he suggested that projects and contracts be given to division leaders uh, in in Bersatu to maintain the political power of Bersatu. I think getting that. sort of reception, and then you know, the leaders were pretty against it, you know, they came out pretty strong against it. But the delegates seemed to be very supportive of that when, when he, he made that suggestion, so that's pretty telling as well. Yeah. So, saying that this sort of thing is going to go away, it would take, I think, it would need a lot of political will. You would need to explain why, and but then again, I don't think this is just something that happens in Malay parties or race based parties, I think it happens in a lot of political parties when there is something at stake, you know, when a power goes into power, I think the people always say that um, absolute power corrupts absolutely I think when mm-hmm. there's opportunity there's always this sort of uh, pitfalls
0: right yeah. now ironically how can UMNO play an important role on being the chicken balances in this issue
2: Annabelle well I think the role of any opposition party is to keep the government in check yeah I don't think it's ironic maybe it takes one to know one Ooh. I don't know <laughs> um, but, but I always believe that we need a strong opposition and if UMNO successfully reforms itself and it it does whatever Tan Sri Anwar Musa says, it t- gets rid of the money politics, the warlord politics, the corruption or at least it addresses it and now they've admitted it, like, like Zurari said, that's that's a big step. I think uh, I don't know, we might see a, a good opposition. I mean, I hope I hope hope to see that that's, that would be good for uh, Malaysia Baru.
0: Alright, coming up, the Attorney General's Chamber should be independent and not receive instructions from the government. That is what YB Ram Karpal has to say. We'll find out more after the Backstreet Boys here on on light and on front page this morning, we have Zurairi, A R assistant news editor at the Malay Mail, also Annabelle Lee, journalist at Malaysia Kini. Let's take a look at this next headline. The Attorney General's Chamber, the AGC, should be independent and not receive instructions from the government. This is what Ram Karpal Singh, the Bukit Glugur MP, had to say. He says that it is elementary that the AGC advises the government, not the other way around. I think all of us would agree with that statement. He was actually condemning a statement by Solicitor General Muhammad Hanafi Zakaria, who said that he receives direction and instruction from the government. Annabelle, how should, I mean, the AGC function otherwise? I I thought it was common knowledge that the AGC is independent.
2: It is common knowledge, but I think in Malaysia it's interesting because, yes, it is true. Their role, the AG and the AGC, is to uh, provide legal counsel for the government, and they ought to be independent, they ought to be impartial, uh, they should not be part of the executive branch of government at all. But I think in Malaysia it's interesting because our AGC is fused with the Public Prosecutor's Office. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can't be a counsel and also be the executor at the same time. So, for the government. So I think we've we always had that dilemma and uh, that is exactly why Harapan in its manifesto promised to to you know remove, to to kind of divorce the two branches of the judiciary. Um, so that, that is how it should happen mm-hmm. but in Malaysia we've not had. We've done it
0: quite So what happened since you know, GE14 And those uh, so-called promises
2: Well, there hasn't been much I don't think they've done much To actually No, I don't think They have
1: time yet To Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's not going to happen In the near future, I think uh, yeah. But it's an it's an important pledge That we should all Hold on to uh, I think the, the issue With the Attorney General Is that I'm, I'm not sure if A lot of people still remember The uh, <laughs> education in the school where we have three uh, Separate branch uh, The Executive The Judiciary And the Legislative executive. Yes, correct yeah. So, yeah I, I, gave, I think the AGC Belongs in the Judiciary Yeah, But I think because it has been A while since the AG Itself is independent of the Executive and I think uh, It's not something that is particularly Unique to Malaysia as well, I think a lot of Mm. countries Also have that problem where the Attorney General's chambers is seen as being too deferential towards the executive because let's face it the executive has the bigger power I mean the Prime Minister we have not been traditionally been a country where the judges uh, and the Attorney General is being seen as almost at the same level as the Prime Minister so I think it might take some time for us to change that mentality and I think this whole city general um, I'm not sure I mean he should know better than that but I ha- I think perhaps he just I don't know maybe just too entrench with the practices or attitude of the previous administration, I'm not right. sure. But also,
2: I think in this case, it was it, it's quite interesting because the Solicitor General Muhammad Hanafiya, he was, in his email and in his letter, he told his, uh, that his advice to the deputy public prosecutors in charge of the, you know, 1MDB-related cases was to make sure you expedite it, don't delay it. And that comes, I think, in the context of if you hear what the Prime Minister has been saying, they've been really telling the civil service to be loyal to them, to not be loyal to the former government government and the mm-hmm. former prime minister so there is I think a contestation of right. of loyalties and maybe allegiances perhaps and I think that is perhaps where the solicitor general was mm. coming from you know obviously now that he has been leaked it's seen as you know not being impartial and all that kind of thing right. but I think that is the context
0: all right well coming up the educational credential debacle has blown up and now everyone is you know posting pictures of their university degree online. We'll talk about that and Lim Guan Eng's credentials being questioned at that. That's up next here on Light. And on front page uh, this morning with me, Annabelle Lee, journalist at Malaysia Kini and Zurairi AR, assistant news editor at Malay Mail. Now, the credentials fiasco has, you know, just gotten out of hand, in my opinion. I mean, now Finance Minister Lim Guan Eng's qualifications in accounting is the latest to come under scrutiny following a series of alleged false education credentials Involving Pakatan Harapan leaders, I remember seeing Hannah Yo actually, mm. you know, uh, putting up her University of Tasmania degree online, and people commenting, "It's okay, YB, you know, the pre-empting, way you speak pre-empting. Also, uh, we know you're very highly <laughs> educated. Wow, you went to university. Yes. So, in your opinion, right, uh, has this debacle gone out of hand?
1: I think it's good that we're talking about it, but come on, BN, where were you when the media was talking about this, about all the credentials of all your ministers back then? I mean, you certainly didn't respond to that, and not only that, you kept with your denials, you Mm -hmm. know, I remember Preston University, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's good that we are at least talking about it, but... I think it, it does have become a, a bit of a witch hunt And I think it's good That the opposition Is playing their role As the opposition But at the same time The government also Has to be smarter To tackle this I mean you should know I mean you should be vetting Your candidates before How could you let this slip And I think for a lot of The credentials that has been uh, Brought up uh, to the public By the opposition They are mostly being run By a state news agency Bernama I mean how could you Get that wrong right
2: mm-hmm. Yeah I think it has become this a, is a complete PR disaster for Harapan. I mean, if the opposition's intention was to discredit the government, you know, to like take away public confidence from them, they have successfully done yeah. it. You know, this is such an easy target. It's such yeah. It's just really dumb. I mean, yeah. for
0: the rakia, and I'm speaking as a you know tax paying citizen. It's like we, we don't necessarily care how you know prestigious your PhD or your master's degree. Yeah, but don't lie. If, yeah, don't lie about it. Yeah, you, even if you don't have a degree, don't lie about it. Mm. So uh, your thoughts i mean how can they you know i guess manage this going forward of course it ultimately boils down to their performance
2: and what they deliver across the next, you know, the next four years. But like you said, like, can you trust someone with your tax money, with your election promises when they lie about their credentials? You know, it's like an employer employs somebody and then down the line realizes that the employee uh, lied about where he went to university because I think it ultimately uh, boils down to performance and, of course, what Mm -hmm. they deliver in the course of the next four years. But can you trust someone with your tax money and election promises When they they lie about their credentials, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like an employer who employs somebody and that's essentially the rug yet we're employing the government here. And if you lie about your, you know, where you went to university, if the employee lies about stuff on their CV, that is never good.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, I guess more of the stories don't lie. But coming up next, gated communities. Uh, Do they have the right to bar the police from entering the commune? Uh, We're going to be discussing that with Annabelle Lee, journalist at Malaysia Kini, also Zurairi A.R., assistant news editor at Malay Mail, on front page next here on Light. On front page this morning with me, Zurairi A.R., assistant news editor at Malay Mail, Annabelle Lee, journalist at Malaysia Kini. Let's talk about gated communities now in the news, gated communities have no right to bar cops from entry. This is according to NGOs. I didn't even realize this was an issue. Is this an issue?
1: I th- I've, I've, I've never stayed in any of the gated. <laughs> com- <laughs> I mean, I, I stayed in the condo, so it's sort of a gated community but not like a you know, residential area, taman.
0: Right, so several NGOs were quick to point out the legalities and needs for police patrols after a neighbourhood in Subang, Jaya allegedly denied police entry there. I guess that was the context for which this statement came about. Do you happen to know what the current ruling is, as is now?
1: Well, I think, well, lawyers, please fact-check me on this, but I think uh, as it is currently, um, in order for a community to install you know, those gates, first of all, they have to get permission from the local authority, the application has to be through the residential association and you have to get the majority of the residents approval before uh, you start applying and you must also do not block any, uh, you know, any roads, I mean it has to be accessible and then the guards must be registered and with the whole ministry and so on, I, th- I think that's part of the list of things that you need to do before you can do that but, but at the same time uh, it is, if I'm not mistaken, it is also illegal to block access to a public area. So mm. I think it's mostly a grey area and the local authorities and uh, um, our Security forces are a bit closing one eye it was it because they it sort of, like, help them when it comes to security. But at the same time, I don't think it's good. I mean, I am personally against gated and guarded community because I think it, it offers a false security. I mean, I'm, I'm sure many of you I mean, have have um, gone through this where you, you wanted to go into a gated community. You just, you know, say hi, <laughs> wave to the guard, and then the just, guard just automatically yeah. allows you in, even though you don't have a sticker or anything, right? So, yeah, uh, it, it's...
2: It's ridiculous. But also, yeah. I think it is illegal to obstruct a public servant from carrying out his mm. or yes, her yes, yes. his or her duties. I mean, I think it's two years jail, ten thousand ringgit fine. So I think that is for me the bigger issue at stake. I mean, I think yes, you can have your gated communities and uh, your security guards and all that, but you are still under the jurisdiction of the law, yes. and you still belong to that, uh, you know, that that area that the local council or the police patrol, and the police have access to to all should, all right? areas. They 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 do they do mm. and. They they do actually have access to everywhere anywhere um and if it's a personal space then they need a warrant you know but if it's a like a, like a live housing area yeah then they should have access,
0: then they do. What about the jurisdictions of the security guards for that particular community? I mean, do you know uh, what it happens to be?
1: I'm not, I'm not sure myself, but I, I, it might be uh, regulated by the bylaws of a certain areas, I guess. And and of course, the a bylaws should never supersede common law. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not too sure about that myself.
0: All right. Today on Front Page, we've got Zurairi AR, Assistant News Editor at Malay Mail, Annabelle Lee, Journalist at Malaysia Kini. Our last headline for this morning morning is it's humanitarian says athlete seeking 4 million ringgit for tower running tour that story after chicago and michael jackson also the traffic update here on light and on front page with me this morning Adabella Lee journalist at Malaysia Kini and Zurairi AR assistant news editor at the Malay Mail now in the news uh, controversially this has been uh, much talked about a national athlete has defended her quest for 4 million ringgit to fund an international tower running tour to conquer 30 tallest towers after she was criticized by a tower running champion. Uh, We're talking about Dr. Swaiba Muhammad Nasir. She said the money is going to be used to fund refugee camps and welfares in the country she's planning to visit. Of course uh, world number five and Asia number one runner So Wai Ching has said you know you don't need four million ringgit Um, in fact uh, he's done these kind of things around the world for a fraction of that amount and he's also kind of sore because he's not received any kind of acknowledgement from the, the minister of youth youth and sports uh, ministry as well as any kind of funding whatsoever on top of everything right uh, dr suwaiba has received moral support from the minister of defense for whatever reason you know what are your thoughts on this i mean netizens have been coming up and saying you know what four million can do a lot of good in the country charity begins at home your thoughts annabelle
2: i'm not actually that against this i mean if someone wants to run around the world run up towers to raise funds for refugees and for humanitarian efforts. I think it's a great thing. Four million is a lot of money. So I think the best response to scrutiny like this is transparency. If Dr. Suwaiba means what she says and, and, and wants to use the money to, to, for, for for good things, then she should publish the accounts. When people donate money to her, mm-hmm. she should publish who gave her what, maybe not the entire account number, but you know who gave her what and then what she eventually uses them for. The best answer to this is transparency.
0: Right. And also corporate Sponsorship. Don't ask, you know, the government for. But uh, I think uh,
2: um, the Ministry of Defence has actually come out to, to you know, to really kind of clarify that they are not funding this trip in yeah. any way. They've, you know, kind of endorsed her or something right. in, in her role as a honorary major and all that. But um, I don't think they're, you know, actually funding her at
0: all. All right. very
1: Yeah, I think it is uh, a perpetual problem for our athletes, uh, especially for in, in sports that are not very well known. It, that is It's very hard for them to get funding and also support from the uh, government. And I think it bears uh, the question here is that how does one get that support and that uh, endorsement, right? Because all it took for her to get the uh, the Ministry of Defence, and not just as the Ministry, but the minister himself, is for being uh, a former staff, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then again, all boils down to having cables <laughs> of sorts, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, at the same time, yeah, of, of course we are, we are clear here that the government is not putting any Funny money here, it, yeah. and and I think I think it is her right to seek sponsorship. In a sponsorship or a backing for for it. But at the same time uh I, I don't think the government should. Come to it this way instead you
0: know right now uh, Asian Tower running champion So Wai Ching do you feel he's justified in feeling sore about this whole thing of course
2: yeah I think <laughs> it's totally understandable I mean like uh, someone who has been doing it for so long and has got so many awards for, this, world number five. for this competitive sport mm. doesn't get much recognition and someone who wants to do it I, I don't know how highly ranked Dr. Suwaiba is in, in this sport but yeah I mean I, I I totally understand where he's coming from
0: And Annabelle Lee journalist at Malaysia Kini Zurairi AR assistant news editor at Malaysia mail for front page of course if you missed a part of this interview this hour you can always uh, look up our podcast after 10 o'clock this morning at light.my